Shik Toikas. Noe. Noe? No. Noe? Might be Noe. Let's just pronounce it Spock and move on. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Interrogang Podcast, your weekly shot of typography news and notes, where we'll share with you some new type releases from the past week and what has got us thinking in the world of type, design, or creativity. The Interrogang Podcast is an extension of Proof & Co., a website dedicated to the ever-changing landscape of independent typography and bridging the gap between type designers and type consumers through insightful content and research. I'm your host, Joshua Dick, along with Interrogang co-host, the incredibly talented and committed type enthusiast, and a man whose hair is more golden than the sun, Kyle Reed. How's it going today, Kyle? It's going great. That's so nice of you to say. Well, I only state the facts. I was not expecting such a, a warm welcome into the podcast today. This is fantastic. Thank you. Here in the Interrogang, we hope to simply serve as conversation starters, and hopefully we'll pique your interest in topics that get you thinking about new things in exciting ways, or old things in deeper ways. We will be referring to the Proof & Co. weekly newsletter in this and every episode, which you can subscribe to at proofco.xyz to use as a visual reference. Here we are in week 18, 2021. Hello, everyone. This week was filled with an overflowing handful of surprising releases with plenty of delightful and surprising ideas on display. So let's get into it. First off, pleasure is the latest from Pizza Typefaces. First, first pleasure. First pleasure. Pleasure is a Let's new age grotesque sans family with experimental end strokes on some of the characters that double back to make a full loop-de-loop. Some characters are especially wild, like the lowercase s that looks like it's riding a Segway, a lowercase a that looks like it's one of those uh, Lady Gaga high-heeled shoes designed, for Al- designed by Alexander McQueen. Do you know what I'm talking about, Josh? No, but that's that's not saying much. I'm pulling in all the references today. Google it. <laughs> and you guessed it ink traps Ah, uh, now you're talking my language there we go ink traps in the heavier weights so lots going on with this one well a lot of wild alter- alternate characters across roman and italic styles pleasure nestles itself snugly between a workhorse text sans and a show pony display sans a fun one for the more adventurous graphic designers out there and this is another one that needs to be seen on a mobile device. The website setup for pleasure, which don't Google website setup for pleasure. That's not what we're talking about. That's right. Is the the website for this typeface is total chaos. It is a fever dream. A fever dream of and typography. You may not necessarily find what you're looking for. All the information's there. You just gotta, you really gotta spend time with it. Absolutely. Uh, the production type lab released Temple Grotesque this week, which is a blocky sans serif family that carries a heavy weight across four widths. I like the production type lab. I think uh, they seem to shake off any economic pressure to release these mega families all the time. It gives them license to release smaller uh, collections of fonts that express specific ideas, uh, which Temple is one of. Uh, it's just four fonts. Texturally speaking, 
temple grotesque delivers um, on the dense page color that it claims to deliver on. Uh, and it's filled with a few unexpectedly charming moments for such a blocky style. Um, there's something warm about it in a, in a sea of, of blocky sans serifs that can be very engineered and cold. Lastly, I wanted to touch on a type family that was expanded upon this week. Shik Toika's Noe or Noe family got expanded into a full collection of three families, display, standard, and text. Um, this is an expansion. It's not a new typeface, but there are two new families that are kind of incorporated into it, into the collection. The sharp serifs of Noe were bringing, uh, were just kind of begging for expansion into reading text and poster display styles. Uh, this expansion is really a natural move for this typeface. So uh, there are some super pro tips revealed in this expansion, like how the text family tones down the sharp knives out vibe by trimming the points ever so slightly um, into chamfered edges. It makes a huge difference. I mean, typography, Josh, as you're learning, is a the art of the subtle. Right. And small things make big differences. This is a perfect example. Especially when you're doing updates like this. This is what you're looking for. Yes. Uh, they also dec decrease the contrast in the text weights uh, and in the text style. So, I mean, that's kind of expected, but uh, the original Noe was a very high contrast, big triangle feet serifs. Like it was a, a real study in, in contrast. So that's, it's nice to see the family expand there. Uh, so now you can capture the kind of aggressive style of Noe uh, in its original form in all aspects of your brand applications and type. Um, I'm into it. So what about you, Josh? What did you find this week? I wanted to bring up Extendomatic. Extendomatic. Which is part of David Jonathan Ross's Font of the Month Club. Uh, mm -hmm. It is a uh, variable connected script, which is, uh, he describes as a geometric deconstruction of a retro style. Uh, the the stroke weights and the slants are variable, uh, but so is the uh, so is extending the baseline to keep that script connected, which is an impressive effect. And what I wanted to bring up about this is. Uh, this is very much what we were talking about last week with experimentation. Mm -hmm. It's mentioned in the description repeatedly that this is an experiment for him, for David, but it is also, he's putting it out there to the community as a variable font to see when you're talking about extending a variable script, there is such a thing as too far. But as opposed to deciding that for us, he's letting you decide. And so it's a very cool, mm -hmm. uh, it's a very cool extension of what we were talking about last week with experimentation, bringing it to the community. That DJR is a man of the people. That's right. And I've been realizing since we had that conversation, since I started looking into experimentation last week when it comes to fonts, that really is the norm when we're talking about new releases these days. It really feels like that's what people are going for, which makes sense. But uh, I don't think you'd notice unless you really are looking, as we are, that that that's what big picture people right. are doing. They are experimenting. They are pushing the boundaries to their limits and uh, daring to fail. 
Yeah. I think that's a testament to where we are in the arrow of time in type history. Uh, digital type is not new anymore. Um, and all of the expected ground to have covered in digital type uh, has been covered. And what's left but to start to explore the outer reaches of, of what's possible. Um, so yeah, 2021 is a year of experimentation. It really is. There's a lot going on. And to be honest, um, Extendomatic is so much fun on the experimental side of things. The, Absolutely. Everything from just individual glyphs. Um, some of them are super weird and you wouldn't expect them to actually count as that glyph. But in context, they work great. Uh, all the way up to the variable font application. Um, I'd like to note that there is, uh, we we have another item to add to the list of backslant styles, which I have been kind of uh, lobbying for for a long time. Right. So very excited to see that. Yeah, the the slant variation goes twenty degrees in either direction. Yeah, uh, which cool. is very cool. There's a lot to this font. There's a lot that can be done. Uh, and hats off to DJR for putting it out into the world and letting us f with it. <laughs> Bringing power to the people. So this week we're going to take the gloves off and talk about competition in type. We're gonna we're gonna drop the gloves. We are the Capitals and the Rangers. We're all going to the penalty box. No, no. This week, we're talking about competition in type, uh, but we're going to dig a little deeper into what this means for the type economy, how designers approach collaboration, or uh, just how their releases are timed, things like that. And we're going to start with the broad but simple question, uh, Kyle, is typography a zero-sum game? Does my success take away from someone else's. I do not believe that typography is a zero-sum game. My success does not mean your failure. I don't have to stamp anybody out in order to win. I don't have to crush the little guy. I don't have to, um, you know, be bigger, badder, better um, in order to find success. I think that there is a um, simultaneous game going on uh, in in typography, and uh, that's to everybody's benefit. The most obvious part of this in typography is you're not dealing with scarcity. <laughs> Definitely not. I mean, there's hundreds of thousands of typefaces, but on a on an actual intellectual level, yes, you're dealing with scarcity. You you releasing a, a typeface doesn't mean someone else can't. Right. This isn't like. Uh, acting where there's one role mm. you walk into an audition room with 28 other people who look exactly like you that's just there's just the one for those 28 people that's true and if you if you're one of the unlucky 27 you got to keep moving that's just not the world here now there is of course supply and demand that's still an issue and you also have an issue of potential oversaturation but that doesn't necessarily uh read competition right there the issue economically comes from there's only so many purchasing dollars out there mm -hmm. uh if everyone's releasing a font 
constantly all the time every week at some point the economy will break down but that idea of supply and demand Kyle does that is that enough in type to warrant strong and purposeful competition amongst your peers yeah i think that's where the competition really comes into play in the type world once it hits the economic level you are competing for dollars and uh yeah there is a certain amount of type or a certain amount of money that is uh given to typography purchases every year globally it would actually be really cool to figure out what that number is but (laughs) that's uh, that's a whole different project. Those those numbers are kept too close to the chest across oh, yeah. the board. But I think it's competition can be a, a good thing in that sense, in the sense that like you know you, competition can drive you. It can be a motivator for you in order to put things out, finally get things off of your desktop and into into reality. You know, uh, actually start making money with that typeface. Um, other type of competitions uh, in the type world. I mean, you you do have to be wary of the other typefaces that are competing for those dollars um, that are similar in style to yours. There's a famous saying in the type world that you know, you, the if you want to make money, just release a neutral sans, right? <laughs> because that's all anybody ever buys. Right. And the experimental stuff, the fun stuff, the adventurous type out there, it's not really the money maker. Um, I think we'll start to see that change here in the future, but uh, you do have to be wary of that when you're releasing typefaces, that there is a competitive set, competitive field uh, into which you're entering. And that's there's a distinct difference between when you're releasing the neutral sands and when you're releasing the experimentation the the experimental type because your expectations are different when you have these experimental releases or these pushing the boundary releases like we've talked about is there any need for competition between the foundries or the individuals putting those out or is that best served as a collective i guess this is a two part question what do you think is best in a vacuum and what do you actually believe is going on in reality? Yeah, great question. I mean, I think that there is a need for competition in the type world. I think type or competition drives progress forward and innovation forward. I know that makes me sound like a true capitalist, which sure does <laughs> have some qualms with. Um, but it's true <laughs> uh, that there is a, a certain amount of innovation that comes from competition. Um, so, in that sense, yeah, there is a need. Um, I don't think there is a uh, requirement for competition socially. The type industry itself has always been very small, and that's really changed over the last 20 years. It's exploded. More and more people are able to get in. But there's still an attitude of, uh, like, let's try to lift each other up. Um, maybe on a subconscious level somewhere, some type designers are are saying, oh, I want to uh, you know, I, I, my release, I want to compete with the, that one that's already out there or, oh, they just released one that looks like mine. Now I'm in competition. Like there definitely is a little bit of that business jostling. But it doesn't exist as a lifestyle. Right. I mean, I haven't met any type designers. And if you're out there, let me know who you are. <laughs> yeah, who please are like, email us. You know what? I'm I'm super predatory. I'm going to go out there and just <laughs> try to rip everybody. <laughs> 
I mean, there are rippers, but there are, it's not like they're, um, that's not good business. Yeah. So in the vein of there's a lot of lifting each other up, why yeah. is it that we don't see more collaborations? I've always wondered that myself. Um, I, I've loved collaborations when they come around. Um, there are some typefaces, um, David Jonathan Ross, for, for instance, um, collaborated with Bethany Heck on a typeface recently, and it produced a beautiful result that I don't think either of them would have landed on. Mm. Um, mm -hmm. I think that there should be way more collaborations out there. Yeah, it's not to say that there aren't, but it really doesn't come up much. And as I'm learning about the industry, it's it has always struck me as strange. You would think, you know, artistic collaboration is the name of the game mm -hmm. in a lot of other mediums. Yeah, a lot of people try to compare type to music as saying, um, you know, foundries are kind of like music artists and type families are like albums. You know, you kind of put some stuff out there. Right. Why don't right. other foundries work with other foundries? Like featuring this person from this foundry. I guess that's just not the way business has traditionally been done in the uh, type world. You have a, a studio or your fashion house, if you will. Um, and that's your brand and that and your product is reinforcing that brand. So to mix it up would be not good. I don't know. I think that there's uh, probably an ingrained systemic reason why collaboration isn't more. It's hard to come up with a distinct negative, an obvious negative yeah. to that. But perhaps <laughs> perhaps there is one that we're not thinking of right now. Yeah. I mean, I there have been some pretty great collaborations in the past between um, couples and I think that is probably the widest category of collaboration I can think of. But um, yeah, as far as it, it seems like every foundry is an island. That's just out of marital bliss necessity. I guess so. <laughs> uh, in your opinion, overall, does competition breed a better product in creative fields? Do you think competition is the way to tap into better bigger and better things? As a personal answer, I'm going to answer this one personally, I guess, not on behalf yes, please. of the type industry in any well, way. How does this make you feel? <laughs> I believe that, yes, if it depends on how we view type. But um, of course, bringing this back to type as tools or art, um, if you view type as a product, as a tool, something to be sold and, and bought and used, Yes, competition, I do feel, breeds better products. If your foundry down the street releases something similar in style to yours, but they have it in variable font, and that's a, a little bit more in demand than just regular faces or something like that, you are probably going to try to up your ante on your next typeface. There is a sense of competition there that is healthy. Um, if, however, if you view typefaces really as as art, a a, a mo mode of expression, a, a vehicle for style, then I don't think that competition is very helpful. It's like painting or any other kind of expression. It's it, it, it's apples to oranges at that point. Yeah, I'm going to piggyback off of that thought. And when we're thinking about this more broadly, to just yeah creativity and creative output, uh, I think I would err on the side of collaboration over competition in that I think competition can become a deterrent 
to doing certain things, or rather it pushes you towards doing something that maybe isn't a part of your passion or a part of what you want. It's what you need to do. And I'm not saying that that isn't part of the game. Yeah. Oftentimes when we're you, when you're doing art or, or, or putting out something into the world as part of a, a paid job, you don't get to do what you mm-hmm. want to do. Um, but from there, all the more reason why I, I would value collaboration over competition, um, which I suppose is a little different. I love that phrase. I, I suppose that's a little different than the question I asked. Um, but mm-hmm. uh, even, even in the absence of collaboration, I would think that the, the sense of competition, the need, feeling the need to be competitive in order to be better and and grow will only create stress yeah. and and limit you in the long run <laughs> that said competition is ingrained and especially for me coming from an acting background where competition is a hundred percent of the game yeah all the time it, it is what it is and so you better grow with it you better use yep. it to grow since it's there no matter whether you want it there or not <laughs> uh, you've got to just throw down the gloves, yeah, and start swinging. I think that's a good take. So there's a part of competition that we haven't really brought up yet, uh, and that because we've been talking mostly about typography in the sense of of retail fonts, but uh, there's a whole world of of custom typography that foundries kind of have a foot in um, that can lend itself to the discussion of of competition. Um, when businesses approach type foundries for custom typography, they're looking for a competitive advantage. They're looking for a tool to upgrade their business or to improve them, uh, their efficiency or, uh, you know, whatever the reason, like they, uh, normally competition is at the heart of, of that, that ask. Um, so I think typography needs to also be seen through the lens of, um, a a co- competitive enhancer, I guess. Um, typography can be used for competition instead of being a competitive, just a competitive market itself. Right. Sure. Um, that's a. Good... I think that's yeah. That's one of the unique things about the type world um, is that there are all these different facets. So, if you're talking about competition, uh, I think you, you would be remiss if you didn't address the uh, competitive value of good custom typography for businesses and brands. We didn't at all hit on just what marketing means and marketing, which is oftentimes with custom fonts uh, and graphic design as a whole, that's what it is. Yeah. The way to be competitive. You, you marketing is about how do you do better than the other guy (laughs) and that's competition. So yeah. there has to be an embrace of it. Mm-hmm. You can't dismiss being competitive or else you're not going to get the job done. Mm-hmm. So that's a good point, that there's a difference between a personal competition and the use of and understanding of what competition does and means in right. order to do your job right. That's right. Yeah, there's a lot of different ways of looking at it. That's it for this week's Interrogang. 
A special thanks, as always, to Andrew Spheris, our editor and all things tech master. Original music featured throughout this episode was composed by Andrew Spheris as well. The Interrogang podcast can be found on our website, proofco.xyz slash podcast, as well as on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and just about anywhere where you can find your podcasts. If you want to receive more type news and notes, head to our website and subscribe to the weekly newsletter. Follow us on Twitter at proof underscore and underscore co, or email us at hello at proofco.xyz. If you have any questions for us, or have any thoughts on what we discussed in any of our episodes, or if you are currently having any typographic fever dreams, we'd love to hear from you. As always, thanks for being a part of the Interrogang. We will be off next week, so we'll see you in two weeks. Shout out to all the moms out there. Oh, happy Mother's Mother's Day. Day. It's Mother's Day. Love you, Mom. (laughs) Love you, Mom. I said it first. You are definitely not listening to this podcast. My mother has listened to every episode, I think. That's excellent. I don't think my mom knows what to do with podcasts. Neither does mine. <laughs> but I talked her through how to figure it out on the right now. Bless her. Bless her. Bless you, Nancy. Thanks, Nancy.